time to tune up the band and break it down. Da 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 da. It's time for another Sweet Chin Web podcast. I am Sam, joined as ever by Dan and Reardon. Afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. I'm incredibly tired. Oh yeah, yeah. Like we are. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. This is um. This is not um. Degeneration X around the Sweet Chin Web podcast. This is like disintegration x we're just dying so badly i think the word i think the term we search for is we're completely and utterly shagged is the word isn't it yeah that's the we word. are and, we we and are triple, good we are the embodiment of triple h and Shawn michaels in that one match in saudi arabia <laughs> incredibly tired except we still all have our hair um but i digress that is true <laughs> We give you this podcast free of charge. Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud. Pending. Eternally Trademark. pending. <laughs> we will put it on a shirt eventually. Oh, gosh, yes. I will uh, be wearing that shirt. I'll be, like, seriously going. Look look for it on prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the Sweet Chin World Podcast where we make one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll but... get there eventually. <laughs> So before we get on to this episode, which is all about Degeneration X, we will mosey on over to Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. See, this is how I know I'm flagged. I almost <laughs> missed my cue. Oh man! Oh, do, we, man. do we need to? Do I need to do an X on the floor for you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm taking my tea. I'm taking my tea. This is this is this is gonna be fun. Oh god! It's wrestling news time. <laughs> I'm gonna cut you off now. It's all chaotic. <laughs> all hell is broken loose at the sweet chinwag, as if we ever had control in the first place. Exactly. Dad, quickly, first news story, please. Dude, uh, we'll go. just we'll just we'll just quickly run through. Uh, we won't do the full week review just because. Uh, both a lot has happened, and yet also not a lot has happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the first real big ones are, I mean, for me, Buddy Murphy getting beaten to hell by the Mysterio family. Nothing <laughs> brings a family together than beating someone up with uh, with kendo sticks, doesn't it? I, I think my favorite moment of this was, like, um, Ray's wife, like, really reluctantly doing it, and then, like, on the second time, she's just, like, completely wailing on him. <laughs> she looks completely reluctant to even hit him, like, take the kendo stick out of his, out of Ray's hand, and then she's just going to town. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it was so silly, but then again, I enjoyed that segment, so... It was incredibly silly, but at the same time, I kind of bought into it. <laughs> So, I think from this point on now, I think I, I guess where we can go from this is that I hope Dominic goes to goes to NXT actually, uh, because you know, yeah, we've only seen yeah. gimmick matches. So if he re- and I'm not you know I'm not doubting his in ring ability because I think what he's shown in these gimmick matches is that he does have the wherewithal and he knows what to do. In to be fair, he was actually the first person to pull off that weird sliding sunset power bomb thing. Oh, yeah. So I WWE's think... tried that about four times with different people. <laughs> he is the chosen one. Yeah. <laughs> He's supposed to be balanced to the sunset flip, not leave it in darkness. <laughs> but uh, yes, no, uh, I'd say go to NXT. Uh, really refined. Yeah, it definitely looks like it. It's that or we're going to be getting a Ray Dominic tag team run. 
But anyway, like to see more. Which, to be fair, sure. it, uh, from at least from the way things sound and from what I've heard, uh, Ray definitely wants that. So, mm. I mean, to be fair, why wouldn't he? Exactly. Exactly. So what else have we got in the news, Dan? Uh, so we've got Cedric Alexander turning heel, joining the Hurt business. Oh. And uh, yes. the, the term was definitely something. Yeah, because as I, I've, I've, you know, I always assume, and a lot of people not, uh, assume, you know, Cedric's very much his whole demeanour, his character, his in-ring work, screams babyface. Um, but uh, I, I, I'll, I'm interested to see where this goes. Maybe this will kind of really improve his, um, his in-ring in his promo work, I should say. More than yeah, anything. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see some cruiserweight justice. Uh, he's just hoping that they actually do something with Cedric. That's that... true. I mean, the the thing I was saying before, I was getting cut out because of Virgin <laughs> Media. Um, <laughs> they don't want us to succeed. Um, internet service providers are available. <laughs> they are available. Preferably pick any of the other ones, really. Um, is just that the turn, like, now, when I say things are unexpected, you have two categories, right? One is because it was good writing, and I, you know, I I got swerved. And then there's literally just booking a tag match and just letting something happen, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is happening now, then. And this I mean, obviously, they did the whole thing with, with like, them trying to convince him to join, yeah. but it didn't really feel connected. Because yeah. each time he asked them, he was kind of just like, "Oh, uh, da, 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 da. I couldn't do that. I like my friends too much." It's all about me and my friends, Rick and Mustafa, and all the other flippy guys. Oh God, bloody Mustafa's on main event again. Uh, I, 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 yes, I, 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 just, just out of context, I, uh, I did see the tweet that you posted about that. Uh, during the week and I was like god that you're right and then some <laughs> about the yeah. main event of Ricochet and Mustafa Ali main event had Ricochet and Mustafa Ali and I was just like this is definitely missing a pay-per-view title in front of it because that's where it should be exactly it's um, so bloody ridiculous that they aren't there and I want cruiserweight justice but when Triple H takes over eventually when we get there we'll have it we will enter the promised land of cruiserweight justice. The, hall the hallowed halls. Angels are singing and there are horns playing to welcome the arrival and it can't come soon enough. Angel Girls is singing? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 No, it's I Zelina mean, Vega. <laughs> I could see Zelina Vega carrying a good tune, honestly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, anything else, Dan? Is there anything? Of course, there's, ever, there's lots of stuff else. And my big one, Finn Balor is now the NXT champion again. Let's hey. go. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Very good match uh, between the Fantastic two. match. And, uh, oh, yeah. Thoroughly uh, deserved uh, for Finn. I Absolutely. Think he's, had to, he's had to wade through a lot of uh, figurative fecal matter in his time <laughs> on the main roster. Um, and so it seemed like the whole... Prophecy of him going back to NXT is now come to fruition. My only hope uh, from this is that it's uh, it builds to a a great rivalry. My hope with him and Karrion Cross. Uh, yeah. I would love to see Karrion Cross versus Demon Balor. 
um, that would be amazing. Well, yeah, I definitely think that would be uh, an interesting way to go of it. I definitely want to see Karrion Cross versus Balor. Uh, also, uh, of this, is I love the, the clip that they had on the WWE's YouTube channel of, uh, of Balor having the, the NXT title in the backstage. People congratulating him. Uh, Adam Cole goes over and gives him the two sweet. And Triple H is yep. right in the middle of them, looking like, oh, you're just going to leave me out? Oh, God, all right, then. I'm so lonely. So <laughs> lonely. Yes, I, 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 I mean, I do... I will admit, yeah, our old man Triple H is constantly frustrated by everything. Never ceases to be amusing for me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is definitely interesting, though, that they're, like, letting them have that. Because mm. considering how WWE is with any vague reference to other companies, <laughs> that yeah. is very true. Although I guess they're probably just going to frame it like, "Haha, get it? WCW thing definitely has no relation to anything else or as any other promotions." Haha. Who's this Matt and Nick you keep talking about? Never heard of them. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way they start throwing it around. I mean, well. If you remember a few years back that WWE trademarked the too sweet and the hand gesture because they didn't, they wanted to stop the Bullet Club from using it. And so, they, and so the Bullet Club in retaliation went with the one sweet instead, where they, really, yeah. where they raised one finger in the air instead of two. So there are ways around it, but it's just petty in a sense. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> that, was the big, that was the big thing out of NXT. I don't know if there was anything else that really... Oh, your eye. Uh, yeah, the NXT UK Heritage Cup. It's oh, getting a yes, mid-card title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> NXT UK mid-card. Yes. That's, that's what you got to have it. I, I'm just loving that it's a cup. It's a cup. And it's under British rules as well, which is going to be yeah, a Yeah, under the system. British round rules. Oh, I like that. I like it. I'll, I'm, I, I am looking forward to seeing how that tournament goes. I'm looking forward to seeing... As, I said, as I've said many a time, I'm so looking forward to seeing NXT UK back. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Volta versus Dragunov is going to be uh, one of the main events for the NXT title. Uh, let's go, Ilya Dragunov, yep. I really hope. But, you know, I don't mind Volta as UK champion. <laughs> More but also, Ilya really Dragunov. See, yes, but I want to see Dragunov as champion. <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah. I'm kind of like, here's a, qu here's a question. You know what I'm surprised they haven't done for, like, NXT UK? If you, like, I, I, I know I'm going to be giving a billion dollar company more marketability ideas but i'm like wwe if you're listening this is what you gotta do you gotta make nxt uk superstar wrestlers football scarves football scarves you think i won't buy a walter football scarf i will buy the shit out of a walter football scarf reason Head Dude. on over to the Ring Carp merch page. They've got a Volta scarf, football scarf there. They do? They do. Oh, yo, yes! No, can I just say, yo, why haven't WWE produced Imperium tracksuits for sale? Exactly. exactly. That's a very good question. A Volta I would buy mind. the hell out of one of them. I want one right yeah, now. Insane. I would wear it all the time. Tap out, but they get have, on that. I don't know that they've done it. Seriously, tap out me to get on that. Like, I know they're the official, like, like, like sports clothing brand partner of WWE, but come on, they'd make a killing if they made Imperium tracksuits. Yeah, I think everyone would buy into it. As long as you could personalize it, just like, uh, like, oh. uh, Rizango did when they had the Fabio. <laughs> I know. 
Oh, that, Fabio that Eichler. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, NXT UK's back. And as I've kept saying the past couple of podcasts, I'm just glad it's back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really good that it's really good that it's back and it's getting its place of prominence. Um, anything else? Uh, going over to SmackDown, I'll be honest, didn't really watch a lot of SmackDown. Uh, the only bit I paid attention to was uh, Alexa Bliss now throwing out the sister Abigail on Nikki Cross. Yeah, I saw that as well. Huh, interesting. So mm. it's kind of continued the whole long-form story uh, of Alexa transitioning over into this fiend-like character. So... Uh, it's almost, it, 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 you know what it smells. It almost smells far too much like uh, like Joker, Harley Quinn, but uh, the Suicide That's pretty Squad much movie what version, they're doing, which is which is, which mean, is worrying. <laughs> on, on the other hand, can you imagine how absolutely terrifying Alexa Bliss would look if she had her own fiend mask? That would be. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that eventually. Oh, also, yeah. uh, talking of this, I imagine that you did see the Firefly Funhouse and uh, and Bray's new puppet, uh, the Wobbly Walrus, yes, which is apparently Wobble a haven. The funny thing is, right, is that that story broke because someone saw that WWE trademarked Wobbly Walrus. <laughs> oh, right. So the first thing we knew about it was that WWE trademarked this name. That's all anyone knew. And people were just like, well, what is this then? Oh god, we're having another gobbledygooker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a um that's a question. How long before someone wrestles under like Rascally Rabbit or any of their <laughs> any of the puppets? Oh god. How long? How long? If you watch some backyard fed, someone's already already wrestling as Huskus the pig boy. Uh <laughs> Please don't bring that bad juju onto us. I don't want to see it. Braun Strowman confirmed as as Huskis. Braun Strowman confirmed as Huskis. There you go. Alexa Bliss is Abby the Witch. There you go. Uh, the, guy who, the guy who was the party bunny with Adam Rose's rosebud, rosebuds is the rambling rabbit. I feel like I Thank feel you for like... reminding me about Adam Rose, by the way. <laughs> I feel I feel like I feel like a nihilist who's got his finger on all the nuclear weaponry just ready to push. Ready to do it. Uh, okay, course. so moving moving on. <laughs> moving moving on. Um, let me that, WWE is looking at seems to be looking at unifying the tag titles after for whatever reason Cesaro and Nakamura just decided to challenge the street profits to a match. <laughs> Yes, because for that some is... reason, again, they don't have any idea what to do with the tag division. They really don't, do they? No, they, uh... they, they. It's just, it's just a wasteland. Oh boy, man, oh, it's going to be one hell of an episode when we end up talking about Cesaro, aren't? Isn't it? It's just going to be full of, like, pure, pure salt and vinegar. It's just going to be my my Kofi rant. Only it's all three of us, and it's for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so I, it's so accurate, especially after that video of the Cesaro hot tag started doing the rounds on Twitter. Which, by the way, was amazing. <laughs> oh, it's incredible! It's one of the best sequences I've seen in ages. Yeah, <laughs> he does like a full bloody circuit of the ring. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But it's uh, actually ridiculous. Uh... But hey, we're getting unified it looks like we're getting another set of unified tag belts and I hope they don't look like those god awful penny belts again. <laughs> oh. Literally anything else Wait will second. be better. Oh, wait a second, I've just come to the realisation it was Cesaro who first held those belts with Tyson Kidd, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't think they were the first ones to hold it. No, it was Tyson... I think it was the Hart Foundation, actually. I think they were the, the first ones to hold those god-awful yeah. tag... Those god-awful penny tag belts. <laughs> Fun fact, they were like the WWE Tag Team Champions and then used to make fucking appearances on like WWE Superstars. Yeah. Just... The heart, the heart. Tag team champions, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know anymore. Uh... <laughs> but uh, other than that, we have uh, now found out that AJ Styles said he will be retiring at the end of his current contract. He renewed in March, so presume that has him up to March next year. Yeah. Wow. Um, and do you know what? Uh, you know, for all the all all the all the all the jobs and all the funny things uh, people say about AJ, good on AJ. He goes out on his own terms. He doesn't go when his body is now fully broken down and he can't move an inch anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah, he said he said it's a it's a decision down to family things. Yeah, that's fair. And besides, like, that man's I'm... a bloody legend even before he made it to the E. So now yeah. that he actually you, finally you got know him. what. You know what? I like you saying that. I kind of like. I had a mix of emotions of both. Of both, yeah. He he go out on top, and yet it still feels like ah, oh, he had so many things to do. What a missed yeah. opportunity! It's yeah. a weird one. It's a really weird one with AJ. Mm. Like yeah, uh, well he he's he's put it down to saying that uh, he mm. did have like a one one week where he wasn't due to be on TV. And then he said that he was able to go and see his son at his football practices and stuff like that. Yeah. And really be engaged. And he said he's really, really missed that. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, he, he doesn't really have the option of uh, transitioning over. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, and not least with like, Paul Heyman being there, which I'm sure can't help him at all. <laughs> uh, given this as well is uh, it's interesting you again that you said that uh, Reardon because of course the the very the Good Brothers podcast that was recently when they had both Matt and Nick Jackson in there talking about how AJ almost made it to AEW um, was going to show up on the first episode of Dynamite but uh, WWE had made him too good of an offer uh, to mm. not pass down so maybe it's mm. one of those things that when we talk about it maybe in the future maybe Maybe AJ going to AEW probably be the only thing, but that's like such a nitpick when you consider the career that man has had. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think that him going to AEW would have any, would have really done anything for his legacy. No, if anything, it made it made a good retirement nest egg. I think for AJ. <laughs> yeah, it would, have, it would have been. I think it would have been a great thing for AEW. Hmm. But for for AJ, I think that the run that he's had in WWE. I don't think there's much that could really top it. Nah, you can't understate that. Uh, I've never seen anyone who entered WWE that had such a good that's had such a good career, especially especially when you consider how many years he was in TNA. That was considered a rival to WWE, and <laughs> WWE's history of taking the biggest stars of rival promotions and then absolutely destroying them. 
so it was very it it it's all it was awesome to see AJ actually be a big deal as big of a deal as he is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Uh, and then finally, for the last piece of news, uh, we now have the blocks of G1 Climax. Yay! Um, interesting, so, uh, an interesting layout for block A and block B. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who are really kind of unsure on who they see as a person that's due to win. Mm. <clears throat> it's kind of been flip-flopping around. I've seen a lot of people saying that they want Takagi to win. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying Sonata. Uh, even some people saying Kenta, really. Um, yeah, um, it's it's an interesting one. It's got a lot of people talking, which is of course what the G one always does. And honestly, those three, I would love to see um, win the whole thing. Uh, I think if there's one thing that everyone is in agreement with, is that no one wants to uh, wants to see a certain someone in that uh, tournament win. Um, and I think we all know who it is, and we won't mention his name. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's let's just say that the block A uh, has has the suspects. <laughs> <laughs> it's got two people in it, which people definitely aren't very much happy about. But it also has Minoru Suzuki in it, so <laughs> maybe that was a deliberate if... thing on Ghetto. No. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Ghetto he's just was... heard all the he's heard all this stuff about these two people, and it's like, <laughs> give them Minoru Suzuki now. <laughs> give them Okada. <laughs> yeah. Crush their hopes and dreams. Break their heads, like crush them like walnuts, please. Suzuki. But like, uh, I mean, the block A thread disregarding certain people, uh, two certain people, uh, Jeff Cobb, Okada, Ibushi, and Minoru Suzuki. That's oh. I mean, just that's an incredible combo. Uh, I know block people are very interested in block B, uh, mainly just down to the uh, evil and Kenta. Yes, uh, which should be interesting. Uh, everyone's favorite Toriyano, <laughs> and everyone's um, favorite Kent boy. <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite Kent boy, Mister Dangerous Tech, is himself ZSJ. <laughs> The fact that now the Japanese people know the concept of the word techers, I'm <laughs> impressed by. I love it. It's weird um, as hell, isn't it? <laughs> there are Japanese people out there who know the word techers. <laughs> Don't. It's just, just too weird. But then also, I see a lot of people saying they're actually expecting Sonata to win. Um, some people have said they think that's the boring choice and, and think that Sonata is very boring. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Hmm. Um, but I mean, it would be interesting to see him win, and uh, I, I don't know what that would necessarily mean for Lij. But it'll be it'll be, it, it again. As I said, more than anything, it's interesting, and uh, I'm just so I, I'm just glad more than anything after such a, a, a cruddy year where we've had that uh, they've been able to actually organise the G1. It's going to be a bit late. Uh, it's gonna be. It's sounding like it's gonna be very, very kind of rushed as well. But you know, in yep. this time, I'm just glad we're getting it more than anything. If if any if anyone here is listening to this and wants to take my pick for whatever reason, I'd probably go to Kagi. Takagi seems like the one that, in my mind, will win. Yeah. Although, in my dreams, in my dreams, it's Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> in everyone's dreams, it's always Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I, I wanted I wanted to dream of Kota Ibushi winning after he got incredibly buff, but he also won in 2019. So I can't see going back to back. I mean, you never know. You, you never know. know. They may have Gato might have seen Kota Ibushi and just been like, oh, "Holy shit, he's ripped." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even, even that. Even that. Or it's like, you know what? Like, it's been a, it's been a hell of a year. Let's just, let's just, let's just make this easy for ourselves. You let's win. just go for it. <laughs> you win, and just we'll sort this out next year. All right. <laughs> That's how I uh, do it anyway. <laughs> to be fair, that I, that I can't, I can't even fault that. Yeah. I can't even thought that I did. Like that's actually not even that bad. Just be like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> yeah, I'd go for Naito versus Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom next year. Oh, I'd that's so that. good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm. I'll look. I look forward to that for uh, for sure. Um, anything else in the news, Dan? Or is that, are we? Uh... I believe with that we are done. Nice, nice. So before I head off, uh, before we head off, I should say, sorry, to, to the main portion, a little recommendation uh, this week to check out Wrestling Bio's YouTube channel and his trilogy of videos all on D-Generation X. Great watches and really chronicles uh, the history and the behind-the-scenes goings-on of how DX was formed, how it came to be, and some of the backstage politicking um, of the early days, anyway, of DX. Uh, well worth a watch, uh, indeed. Even the 2006 uh, video, the incarnation of that DX, but uh, we'll get to that part eventually. But a group that... involving Triple H and politicking, I never would have guessed. <laughs> I know, shock, isn't it? Colour me surprised. <laughs> but with that, we head on to this main portion and talk about D. Generation X. Uh, I'd say one of the very kind of uh, few embodiments, I guess you could say, of the Attitude Era. I mean, they're so they're, they're so Attitude Era. It's kind of ridiculous. I won't you know, lie. You know what? They're so nineties in general. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, when you think about it, you can you can chalk down the Attitude Era into three things: Austin, Rock, mm-hmm. DX. Mm-hmm. That's pretty accurate. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. Yeah, uh, it, and I think again, it's just, they're so integral to that. that the only time. one, the only other person I'd say comes close is maybe Mick Foley. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. If we weren't going to jump it up to four, <laughs> yeah. Mick Foley definitely goes in there as well. But uh, before we get to DX, to 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 the peak time of '97, all the way to uh, 2000. We have to talk about uh, early beginnings and how kind of the seeds were sown for this to start. So let us wind the clock back to 1993, to the time where Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels were upper mid-carders in the WWF. Of course, Scott Hall at this time was Reza Ramon. (laughs) And just at this time, it's WrestleMania 9, Shawn Michaels is defending his Intercontinental Championship, and for some reason, Razor Ramon is up against Bob Backlund. Don't question it. <laughs> don't, don't question it. Here. Wrestling is weird. Moving on. <laughs> the day after WrestleMania 9, Shawn Waltman makes his debut 
as the, as the lightning yes. kid and is put into a program with Scott Hall, where of course the you know if everyone knows the famous thing of this this jobber, this young kid called the kid picks up the win against Razor Ramon and is then coined as the one two three kid. Actually, if I remember rightly, Sean Waltman went through so many names when he started. He was known as the kid, the lightning kid, then became the one two three kid, then went to WCW, became six, then became six pack, and then they went over to. WWF became X Park. We're, we're jumping yes. way ahead. <laughs> we we are. Uh, for for the for the listeners here, uh, we love X Park here. <laughs> oh, oh man, you're you, whoa, you're, whoa, you're whoa, 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 Excuse me. Don't you don't just put that on. This is why I did, we need to talk about stuff like that, man. You need some that. water, brother, before you you make a hot this take is, like this that. Is, it, yeah, it's things like this that makes me worry that you have you're in charge of our Twitter. It's shit like that, man. <laughs> God. Hey, look, I am careful with Twitter. I get to say this here because it was just for heat. He, he's oh. not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah, if you want heat, we don't want that nuclear Sweet Chim Wag's number one heel. <laughs> and I'm SmackDown's number one announcer. No, um... <laughs> uh, but no, uh, this actually, this whole kind of story between Waltman and, and Hall, uh, or as the kid and Razor Ramon, garnered a friendship between the two of them, and they started uh, driving together and, and, and just kind of hanging out together. At this time, Michaels was, you know on the rise and definitely was on his way to becoming a main event player but he definitely felt like he could use a like a bodyguard type character and so when he was browsing wcw one day he came across Vinny vegas this tall dominating figure of a man and sean knew immediately that like that's the guy i want so called up kevin nash asked him to come to the wwf and soon he was and Diesel debuted in the WWF and was Shawn Michaels' bodyguard. These two then ended up... These two groups uh, of like Michaels and Nash and Hall and Waltman ended up coming together and forming what we know as the Click. Yep. The yeah. most infamous group, backstage <laughs> group in all of professional wrestling, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you could say that. Uh, because again, they would drive together, ride together, party together. Uh, and in '95, uh, ninety, yeah, '95, when uh Paul Levesque or Hunter Hearst Helmsley made his debut in the WWF, uh, he ended up uh quickly becoming fast friends with Michaels, and then subsequently Hall, Nash, and Waltman. And as uh, as he didn't actually enjoy partying back in the day, he ended up becoming the clique's designated driver. Oh, to be a fly in that car. <laughs> yeah. That is a... You know what? 90 like, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> you know what? Like, I, like... Even though you, even though objectively thinking about their personalities as we know them, that makes sense. It astounds me that like Triple H is the is the sober and well reasoned of the group. <laughs> well, no, but like in a weird way, I can believe that. No, it's no, like I can the whole thing it. where people have been realizing that like, like recently, that Kevin Nash is just like 
not what people expect mm. at all. And so it's just really funny because the people were just like, man, I would not expect like Kevin Nash to be standing up for social justice, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And you know what? It's like, you know what? I think it just makes Kevin Nash that freaking cooler. I mean, all right, granted, oh, yeah, yeah. he was in Magic Mike. Which kind of brings down some brownie points. Um, um, you know what? You want you tell about talk about some heat on this podcast. Magic Mike XSL was one of the greatest movies of the tens. At me, <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I will tell you the story about that after the podcast. Yes, great movie. Yes. Continue. Um, that's, that's Patreon a... exclusive content that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Actually. We actually cut this bit out, record it, and I and have it as Patreon. Like keep it, keep it, because we'll talk about it. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, yes, we shall. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, yeah, um, you've lost, you made me lose my train of thought there. Uh, really, no, Nash. Uh, but Nash being yeah. uh, awesome in this day and age is, uh, is pretty damn cool, if you ask me. But yeah. Um, the, now there is some debate as to whether the click was named from the guys or if it was a Lex Luger coined term or a yeah. uh, as well as a British Bulldog term because everyone was like, oh, they, they're so close or uh, it was suggested. I'll that choose British to believe that clicking. it was the British Bulldog. Yeah. I'll, I'll choose to believe it's the British Bulldog because like, I mean, I've seen Lex Luger try to string a sentence together. <laughs> True, but I... But, but to, to be, be quite... fair though... Just sake, just calling them the click is something within the realms of Lex Luger's brain. Yeah, and to be quite honest, I cannot hear motherfucking Davy Boy Smith ever saying the word click. <laughs> it was the nineties. It was a different time. <laughs> I mean, this is the same guy time. that did say that he was going to ring the Royal Rumble because he was bizarre. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, the reason I bring up the click as well, it is a very integral part, is because there was one very, very pivotal event that kind of really kind of started the the genesis of what would become DX. And that, of course, is the curtain call. Now, 1996, it's April. National Hall have signed big money deals to WCW after the WWF really couldn't compete with the the money that, you know, Bischoff was willing to pay these two. And well, this... that Ted Turner money. Exactly, exactly. So a lot of a lot of um, ups and downs, a lot of uh, back and forth. And, and at this time as well, WCW was in a bitter rivalry with WWF. Um, so... Madison Square Garden, the last contracted match they had was in oh, was on May uh, 19th, 1996 at Madison Square Garden. Um, Triple H and Kevin Nash were wrestling as heels at the time, whereas uh, Razor Ramon and Michaels were babyfaces. So the last match was Shawn Michaels versus Kevin Nash in a steel cage match. And immediately after the match ended, uh, Hall entered the ring. Uh, first hugging Michaels and this was very unusual at the time but not too kind of dissimilar or like unusual because Hall and Michaels at this time were baby faces but it was when Triple H came out and all four of them got up actually uh, Shawn Michaels actually managed to revive Kevin Nash who was still prone on the floor 
uh, with a kiss <laughs> on the lips, may I say, <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, before all four of them got up, Michaels. <laughs> all four of them just, up. It's just like one of those um, like miracle videos. Like, he's saved! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this would end up with all four of them in a massive group hug and then turning to face the crowd with their arms all up in the air, raised together. Um, Waltman would have been a part of this, but unfortunately he was in rehab at the time. Um, and he would shortly leave for WCW, actually, after this. And, of yep. course, this was called the Curtain Call, uh, which management was not happy that this ha- had happened. Uh, but they were under the... Um, well, under the impression that this would never go out because this was only a house show. Little did they know that some fans snuck a camcorder in and recorded the whole thing and then immediately uploaded it to the internet for everyone to see. <laughs> yeah. I never well, would have guessed. This, it's to know the internet never changed. And this broke yeah. kayfabe. Yeah, badly. Yeah, very at, badly. At, at a time where it was still actually relatively protectable as well. Exactly. Yeah. So... Because of this happening, they couldn't have punished Hall and Nash because they had already left for WCW. They couldn't punish Michaels because he was WWF champion at the time. And, they, and well, thus untouchable and using his political clout to kind of get whatever the heck he'd want. Uh, and thus, the only person that they saw fit to punish was Triple H, and he was immediately taken from his mid-card, upper mid-card spot, and immediately started jobbing to a lot of people. Of course, the most famous one being jobbing to the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania. Oof. Um, <laughs> Oof. And so, yeah, from this point on, from about 96 all the way to, to 97, uh, Michaels, of course, had uh, lost his smile <laughs> and had relinquished the yeah. title, only to have uh, at that time the Undertaker and Bret Hart at SummerSlam uh, fight for the champion uh, WWF Championship with Michaels as special guest referee. Uh, and of course, Michaels cost the Undertaker the title. Uh, all leading up to, uh, well, this little kind of uh, formation. Uh, Triple H had finally gotten himself back into the... Uh, into the good graces, I should say, of WWE. He was working hard and getting there. And with China as his manager, he was starting to make waves. He had a rivalry with Mick Foley, or as Mankind. Uh, A very good rivalry, I should say. And now he was starting to help out Shawn Michaels against The Undertaker. So the seeds were already starting to get sown of this this, uh, team. And it only happens every so often that history completely repeats itself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I will, yeah. As a as a quick aside, the idea of like the Undertaker getting Costa cost them a title by Shawn Michaels shows that time is a circle. Yes, <laughs> indeed, indeed, it is. Of course, they that that from that would end up having with Michaels and Taker having the first ever Hell in a Cell match as well. Mm. That's which right. is a very interesting a very interesting watch that i actually watched the other day um and it's amazing just just how non-violent that match is there's there's a big table spot in it for sure um and actually that is when jr used his first used his as god as my witness he's broken in half line it was that match he first used that line i don't know why but for some reason i thought you were gonna say it was the first time he said back out king <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I, honestly, I thought it was going to be back out. Back out. He's broken an air. No, like JR pushes that line way before that. Hell at the yeah, I know. I, I just assume that JR says it constantly when he's just walking around anyway. <laughs> yeah. So this is when uh, we get to 1997, and then this is where uh, DX was formed. And they started having, uh, well, they were starting to run amok uh, with with the WWF roster, uh, and, and especially to Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter. Um, oh my God, that was a time! <laughs> that was a time, and they had a rivalry with Sergeant Slaughter uh, because they were making very crude gestures, and they had like silly, like kid humor, and were kind of just disrupting shows left, right, and center. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I have to get this off of my chest. Sergeant Slaughter is so in my brain as a G.I. Joe character, I forget that he was a wrestler first. Exactly. It's <laughs> weird as hell. It's one of the weirdest things. <laughs> no, oh no, my agreed, God. agreed. Um, but at this time as well, a little fact, I guess most casual wrestling fans won't know is that there was indeed a fourth member of D-Generation X when it first uh, came to be. So we had Michael... Mike Tyson. No, 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 actually. <laughs> that, 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 would, that, would come that would come eventually because it was Michael's Triple H in China and the insurance policy Michael's had, Ravishing Rick Rude. Oh, I wow. love Rick Rude. He was kind of like the enforcer um at this time and uh he was he was um, selling himself as a, like an insurance salesman it's like i will can sell i you can i do a rant can i do a little aside yes uh aside for anyone listening to this podcast uh, if you're if you are of the uh the twitter persuasion go and find an account called rick rude selling atomic drops yes <laughs> yes it is incredible it is one of my favorite accounts ever created <laughs> so that is art <laughs> so with this group formed they first feuded against the heart foundation because of course like the biggest rivalry at the time both in the ring and outside the ring was michael's and brett hart mm-hmm. i think just as uh like conceptually though it works because you have like well dx who were in who were meant to be like the exact opposite of like the whole heart family thing where it's all about like honor and respect and dx is just like lol screw that uh this is at the time as well that Shawn michaels came out with such amazing wondrous promos and lines such as the the sunny days promo if you remember that he was trying to imply bret hart was having an extramarital affair with sunny um despite the fact that Shawn michaels was having an affair with Sonny when Sonny was dating Chris Candido. Um, sure, Michael saw the future. <laughs> exactly. Um, we had we had Sean Michael, of course, the most famous or infamous one for me, and has made so much fun of at OSW was when Sean Michaels give the mic to Hunter Hearst Helmsley at the time because he wasn't being called Triple H at this. Oh, he was just called Triple H, and he said. Tell him, tra- <laughs> I'm just trying to think because I'm trying to remember the the promo where it fits in the timeline. It's probably later in the timeline. Do you remember the the promo that they did with the the visor masks? 
Oh, that because they because of Jim Ross's. I uh, know. I think it was Sergeant Slaughter's spitting habit. Yeah, yeah that's that was right. And so they have the things over their faces. Oh, I love that so much. Um, but yes, before we shortly get to probably the most infamous moment that's been beaten into the ground by everyone that's in the internet wrestling community, we have to talk about. Uh, with this uh, feud that uh, not only was Shawn Michaels going for the WWF Championship, he had challenged the British Bulldog to the uh, newly minted European Championship. Let's go! This, Baby boys! Yes, this was to take place at European WWF. Championship. Uh, this was Ugh. to take place at one night only, which was an event held in England. And I think Michaels politicked his way into winning this because it was actually, from what I've heard, it was originally supposed to be Davy Boy Smith uh, retaining the title um, in yeah. his home country. Uh, but yeah. uh, Shawn Michaels politicked his way out of that one and thus became the very first Grand Slam champion by winning that match and being crowned European champion. Of you course. know, you know, despite despite like our podcast being named after Shawn Michaels, technically. Yeah, no, you shouldn't have won, Shawn. You don't do that. David oh. Bush Smith, come on, man. Oh, 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 come on. Let's be honest. This is only going to get worse before it gets any better. True. <laughs> because now we get to Survivor Series 1997. Montreal, Canada. Uh, <laughs> Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. Uh, as I said, I don't think we really need to talk a heck of a lot about this because, as I said, it's been beaten. I mean, to the we ground. can probably do another time talking more in depth about it. The yeah. only thing I like to say is I don't like to refer to it by its actual name, and I like to say the birth of Vince McMahon, the character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think what's but... really interesting is the repercussions that this had, or the seismic effect this had going forward. Um,. The mm. next Raw was in Canada. I think it was uh, Ottawa, Canada. Um, Jesus Christ. Shawn oh, Michael, no. The whole of DX had come oh, out. Oh, yes. Yes, very... I remember this. And this was the very first time as well they came out to break it down as well because that was going to be the theme song to DX's very first and only pay-per-view event. Um, all four members of DX come out and the booze are just insane. Um, now, when we talk about nuclear heat... <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Tough crowd. I, like, I know that, like, it's, it's your job to get booed if you're a heel, but it is always interesting on how do you deal, like, psychologically deal with a crowd of thousands booing you but i can only imagine the kind of psychological breakdown i would have if i were sean michaels at that moment because yeah. it certainly be I'm, something i can say that yeah, much i am astounded that he managed to leave that stadium alive <laughs> To be quite honest with you, I'm honestly surprised that he managed. To, he he didn't get. He left alive, but wasn't attacked by a fan. But uh, I was surprised he wasn't attacked by Rick Rude because, as everyone knows, Rick was genuinely upset with how everything went down and was pissed. As a matter of fact, the next week after they had all come out and done the promo of Sean saying that he had taken uh, Brett out in the back and has made him now go down south where he's just going to be just an old fossil like Hogan and Savage. Uh, Rick Rude had come out 
in a pre-recorded version of Raw to cut a promo for DX. On that very same night that that pre-recorded Raw was being broadcast, Rick Rude showed up on Monday Nitro. Oh, wow. wow. And cut a promo on how WWF... Fuck, uh, sorry, I was about to say fucking mishandled. But I will say that. Mishandled, I should say. Uh, the Montreal screw <laughs> What do you mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and everyone knows that. It's kind of like... I think that was part of the reason at that time as well where they stopped doing the, uh, the pre-taped because they didn't want a situation like that to ever happen again yeah you definitely don't want that happening um the week after that they had taken the mick out of rick rude by bringing out harvey whippleman dressed as rick rude and pushing him to the floor (laughs) Uh, and then they invited jim the anvil neidhart uh to uh to join dx but then uh, he said no, of course, and Michaels beat Neidhart in a squash match because, of course, he did. And then proceeded to spray WCW on Neidhart's back, which it's oh. a choice. That's a choice. Um, oh. Okay, I can't believe we have to do this because WCW. We're mentioning this a lot. We're gonna have to do an extraordinarily quick. Pokedex on the Monday Night Wars. Oh God, we will get into it in disgusting detail later, <laughs> listener of future. We're gonna do it, but for now, all you need to know is that there were two wrestling programs: WWF and WCW, and the Monday Night Wars was simple. We're gonna fight. For the best ratings every single Monday, because we're it on. It just so happens that every so often someone repeats history. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but like, so yeah. So and this went on for a long time. And what made it worse was that wrestlers from both promotions would swap basically. So it was a real mess, and part of the electricity the inherent electricity of the Attitude Era was essentially two companies fighting for their lives against another. Pretty much. And it was like, and it was Highlander rules. There could be only one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, indeed, indeed. And I think, I guess, the the personification of that, I guess you could say, would have been uh, the NWO and DX. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yes, we move on to D-Generation X's pay-per-view, uh, the In Your House pay-per-view from December of 97. So at this point, Michaels was dual-holding both European and WWF championships. And of course, with DX uh, defroning the Heart Foundation as the superior stable, um, they had their own pay-per-view. And in the main event, Michaels was actually... Uh, uh, facing Ken Shamrock for the WWF ch- Championship. Oh my god. But of course, right. it was disqualified when Owen Hart came to interfere and absolutely beat the living crud out of Michaels because why the heck Why the heck not? Because he screwed your own brother over. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it makes sense. <laughs> um, Triple H defeated Sergeant Slaughter with the help of China in a boot camp match, which was basically an ODQ match. 
Um, Why is this always the recurring thing? <laughs> uh, the one thing I'll always say, and Wrestling Bios also brought it up, is that I can never for the life of me understand why in the Blue Blazes, Vince never, ever went for a rivalry between Owen and Michaels for the WWF Championship. I think you, ha- I mean, you created the situation itself, Vince, um, and you, and I, we all know that you love to create, um, uh, create, oh, well, like Bischoff, like to create controversy and want to make cash by doing some really outlandish things. But the natural thing uh, would have been to have Owen Hart going up against Michaels for the WWF Championship more. I once I again implying the... that anything makes sense. No, I actually I see the I won't say the logic. I see the rationale of him not doing that actually. I know the whole thing of course. Is it was... going to be another shoot pile driver situation? I guess it was no. the thing of he didn't want Owen Hart to go, "Hey, look, I've got the WWF championship. I'm moving over to WCW now." Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. the case. There's, that's one case. I honestly, I for it to do that, I cuz to be quite frank, there's two ways this goes down. Either Michaels beats Owen and Canada block Canada blocks WWE from ever returning to Canada. Or or Owen wins. And that booking-wise implies that Vince McMahon was wrong. And I don't see him ever doing that, especially in the 90s. Uh, well, admitting that he was wrong. Uh, yeah, true, true. That's what I think. That's honestly, I think the rationale of why that didn't happen. That's my serious, serious theory. Uh, true, true. Anyway, off <coughs> off track. Let's get back to where we were. Uh, last Raw of the year of '97, with Michaels now being a double champion. Sergeant Slaughter makes it his intentions clear. Um, he doesn't. He, he, there shouldn't be a person holding two titles at the same time. So. He makes the match. Shawn Michaels versus Triple H for the European Championship. Haha, that'll bring dissension to the ranks, Sergeant Slaughter thinks. That'll put a, a crack in the foundation of them. No, uh, what happened was it was five... Uh, I think it was not even five minutes. It was like two minutes of them mocking about. Uh, Michaels kind of comically falls to the floor while Triple H runs the rope several times, pins Michaels and wins the European Championship. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one thing you can just say like is, that, uh, lots of the illusion of the European Championship was demolished. Yes, yeah, yes. I think one one positive from this was, dare I say it, uh, positive was Jim Cornette's commentary. We was going, we were bamboozled, we were flim flammed, we were deceived. It's a con, a sham. <laughs> We've all been had. I mean, my fa- I mean, the only good thing out of it that came for me was just that moment of Triple H just constantly running the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> It True. shouldn't be as funny as it is. But, it, 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 but it's bloody hilarious. <laughs> so at 98, beginning of 98, we then had a rivalry between H and... I, I almost said try then. Um, we always we had a rivalry between Triple H and Owen Hart for the European Championship. They kind of like um, hot potatoed it between each other in that time. Uh, we get to the Royal Rumble 1998, where The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels rekindle their feud in a casket match. The reason I bring this one up is, of course, this is the match where Shawn Michaels um, uh, really does some serious damage to his back. Um, if everyone remembers that he, he uh, that Taker and Michaels were doing a spot where Taker kind of back body drops him over the over the ropes. Um, yeah. But the casket was there as well at the same time. So Michaels Oof. kind of flipped, 
caught his looked like he caught his lower back and tailbone right on the edge of the casket and rolled over. Now he's gone on record of saying that he didn't feel any pain at the time. He thought it was just going to be like a stinger, and he could get in. He got up and did the rest of the match. But the next morning, he couldn't get out of bed, and the doctors told him that he had broken his back. Uh, it was also on this rumble, of course. Yeah, you couldn't feel any pain because of the nerve damage. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It was also at this rumble where Austin won the Royal Rumble, and it went on to WrestleMania. would go on to WrestleMania 14 to face Shawn Michaels. Interesting fact about this, with Michaels back now so damaged, and the risk of him uh, not being able to do the performance at WrestleMania 14, being WWF champion, um, with a little bit of pull, um, Michaels didn't wrestle a single match until WrestleMania 14. At that time, just kind of almost kind of like semi-heel, but also not yeah. on the risk of further breaking his back uh, against yeah. Austin. Because uh, uh, there was there was uh, there have been rumors that Michaels did not want to go through with that match. As a matter of leading up into a couple him. of weeks, that he wanted to drop the title and just go. Um, yeah, I wouldn't blame him. You've at had all. your lower back broken. Yeah. There's a good reason not to. But and then again, we know. Time, unfortunately, we know well. how. The... <laughs> well, uh, policy, was... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there was as well, unfortunately, that he was going through substance abuse at this time as well, um, which is a, a massive shame and something that is will be reoccurring as we get to the. Uh, as we get to later uh, years, a couple more years down the line. Um, but yeah, um, at this time, they recruited Mike Tyson to be not only as the special enforcer, but they recruited him as a member of DX. And um, yeah, this WrestleMania 14 match. I don't know if you guys watched this match. Uh, have I have not. Like forever ago. And then like fairly recently. I remember like, the, maybe the, most, the most dramatic or like high spotty kind of technical masterpiece. But when you take in the fact that Austin was working with, uh, a, uh, well, still at that time, uh, a jacked neck uh, and had really changed his style up to be more brawling style. And then you think of Shawn Michaels, who was working with a broken back. And I think one thing I can take away from it uh, that I watched uh, the last time I watched is that when you see Michaels take back bumps the the grimace on his face you can tell that oh man it's horrid oh pain. yeah um but of course everyone knows the ending to that match with the referee knocked out and michael's looking like he's going for the switching music boom austin goes for the stunner mike tyson comes in for the fastest free count i have ever seen and we have <laughs> a new wwf champion uh, and of course Mo uh, tyson realizing that he's deceived dx it was actually siding with austin this whole time after the match, of course, Michaels getting in Tyson's face, goes to punch him, and then Tyson knocks out Michaels. And uh, that would be the last time we would How ever do you see Shawn Michaels that felt? in the ring. Yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, uh, and from a video that I actually edited at What Culture, um, Shawn Michaels was absolutely crapping himself about doing that with Tyson Tyson. Somehow I'm not surprised. He prime Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. Exactly. Prime Mike Tyson. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, this would be the last time for a very long time we would see Shawn Michaels wrestle in a, a in a WWF ring. As a matter of fact, it was um, reported on that Michaels had all but retired mm. uh, to get his back repaired. 
so the night after WrestleMania, Triple H, in storyline, ejects Michaels uh, from DX for dropping the ball. Um, and just killing all, all the momentum that they ever had as DX. So Triple H assumed full control of, of the faction. And then he decided and proclaimed that he was going to make the DX army. Triple H asserting authority of a thing he didn't create. Colin, me surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so it was at this time, I think it was the, might have been the same, the same roar. He comes out to the ring of China and said, everybody needs friends. Everybody needs alliances. Everybody needs a click. And out comes Sean Waltman, who had just been released from WCW. And there, he's newly coined as X Pack, and goes on the uh, on the tirade saying, "Oh yeah, guess what, Hogan? You think I couldn't cut the mustard? Well, guess what? I'm here. I'm here, and I'm better than ever. I bet you never thought you would never cut the mustard." And he said, "I would have been here with Hall and Nash, but unfortunately, they've been held hostage at World Championship Wrestling." Uh, the same night, they uh, they recruit the New Age Outlaws, who were WWF Tag Champions at the time. And thus, mm-hmm. kind of, if you ask me, the, the, the era that I got into DX properly mm. uh, was with this incarnation. The DX. Uh, well, I think, I think this is probably the most iconic incarnation. Yeah. Yes, because at this time, because because of this incarnation and who was in it and how entertaining they were being, they were immediately turned into faces. Because even though they were being billed as as heels the crowd reaction for them was just uh off the charts and soon enough they i think funny enough the next moment we're getting to the next iconic moment we're getting to actually pushed them as faces and that was the dx well, invasion I, before... okay well i'll get to my point later uh the dx invasion of wcw so on april the 27th 1998 raw and nitro both took place in virginia Actually, they were only 20 miles apart from each other of where they were uh, filming. And so in a pre-taped segment of Raw, all members of the DX army, uh, people say they rented out a tank. No, it's uh, it's a jeep with a a cannon on the back. Yeah, it's like a jeep with like a firework gun on it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, All dressed up in army fatigues as well. Go in and invade WCW. The the best bit about all of their outfits is, uh, I believe it's X Park and Road Dog. Yes, and they have their helmets with like the branches sticking off it. Oh <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> um, I I love bringing this up because it's just like uh, when they went to the crowd who were lining up for WCW, they were they were like. Uh, saying WCW sucks, all hell DX, and they were cheering on DX, and then they got to the entrance, kind of like the main opening entrance of the arena, and and security kind of uh, uh, um, kind of like escorted them out, uh, and failing that, DX get back on the tank that wasn't a tank, but it's actually a jeep, and decided to they saw some they saw a back door to a loading dock. Uh, that was open, and then they tried to drive in to the arena that way. Uh, but unfortunately, someone grabbed, like the security grabbed the like uh, the door and threw it down, so they couldn't get out or oh, couldn't get in. Sorry. Um, from what I've heard, uh, Eric Bischoff 
at the time, or in retrospect, had said that he absolutely regretted DX not being able to get in or not allowing DX into the arena. Uh, because could you I have imagined imagine. what had yeah. happened if DX were... Because th- DX's main thing was to get Hall and Nash out of the building. That yeah. was the reason they were there. So could you have imagined DX turning up to Nitro? Everyone would have tuned in to watch mm. that episode of Monday Nitro. Uh, a fun fact, actually. Triple H, I remember... Uh, on the megaphone as they were being escorted out of the main entrance was shouting um, <laughs> was shouting Hall, Nash, I know you're P-O-W-C-W's but we're here to save you <laughs> that is I can't even weird. lie though, from Bischoff that's kind of like a 9,000 IQ strategy <laughs> yeah uh, so, it, this is so 90s, I had to get this point in real quick because it's something that listeners might need to Need to like to emphasize to listeners if you're if they're actually younger than us, mm. which they very well might be. The nineties was the absolute era of edge and anti-heroes in general. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure in like the nineties, the most popular conceptual superheroes probably Spawn. It yeah, was um. It was, yeah. There's a famous. There's a fit. Yeah. Like if you want to learn, so if you about, need context, that helps. Yeah, if you want to learn about wrestling, actually, there's a great comic book quote about this time, where it was. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but it was the '90s was the was the decade that Superman died and Venom got his own series. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly actually so much. accurate. Yeah, it is one of the most, and it's. And it's like when you're thinking back, it's like in 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 the year of our Lord 2020, we look back at the night and like you fuckers don't know how good you had it, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but there was a real cultural malaise in the 90s that wrestling seriously picked up on. Yeah, a, a real perfect storm, really. No, indeed. It's weird. And... It's weird to describe, but it kind of overlaps with like a lot of the stuff that was happening there, but where wrestling was kind of like rebellion counterculture. Yeah, it's the real, it's the most adolescent era of wrestling. (laughs) Yes. Oh, like, watching the Attitude Era, I'm like, man, half of this stuff is so stupid, yet for some reason I kind of love it. No, no, when I say adolescent, I mean that in like, the not the like, um, disparaging term. Oh, no, 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 I totally, like, I I get what you mean. I mean that in that it's a literal. It's everything is wired over the top, even for wrestling standards, and yeah, and really overtly masculine in yes. a way that is oh, like, yeah. in a way that like again, you look back and you're like, oh my god, we terrible. <laughs> big men in tights or underwear fighting each other, right? Come on. But it's There's not only gay. so far you can go. But it's not gay. Totally not gay. No, it can't be gay at all, though. <laughs> Look at them it's like, oh, man. <laughs> and I really feel like DX is a real... They are a product of their time. Absolutely. Very much. Very much a product of their time. <laughs> of a very specific time as well. Yes. Like, yeah, I can't even say that it's like, um, you couldn't say like the 90s was like grunge and, and D Generation X because grunge was a, was a little bit more 
emotionally aware, let's put it. Well, yeah. I mean, if we're being if we're being like true with grunge, most like well, I mean, a lot of people will frame grunge as like Nirvana, but that kind of started around nineteen ninety three. Raven was doing his kind of gimmick in ECW in like ninety five. Yeah. Mm. So like like cutting a little bit earlier there, obviously he went like the complete other edge route. Yeah. <laughs> but um you know, like I think I think wrestling, especially at that time, just kinda had it. That yeah. was kind of the the atmosphere it existed in. They and, just if really... and, and if anyone will tell you, well a specific person here, Vince Russo created the Attitude Era, so he takes full credit for it. <laughs> Thank you, Vince but, but, Russo. Thank, Thank you, Vince. Vince. Hey, hey, uh, hey, guys, remember when DX got into a tank and invaded and won the Monday Night Wars? <laughs> oh, gosh, no, please, no. <laughs> Let's move on very quickly to yet another uh, most memorable No, program. before we move on, tank on a pole match. Tank on a pole oh, match. Oh, my God. Now, DX actually did get into the building at Nitro. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, let's talk Paul about... Paul and Nash on a pole match. Because <laughs> if we're going to talk about this promo, unfortunately, I say this now, because if we talk about a product of their time, we have to talk about the the most another memorable promo uh, when DX were feuding with the nation. Uh, on the July 98th <sighs> episode of uh, Monday Night Raw... DX come out mocking the nation, with Triple H portraying The Rock as the Croc, Road Dog playing D'Lo Brown, known as B'Lo Brown, Billy Gunn playing the Godfather, name, known the as the Gunfather, <laughs> X-Puck playing Mark Henry, known as Mizark Henry, and Impressionist Jason Sensation playing Owen Hart, which is the only kind of good thing I can say about it, is that he actually does a really good impression of Owen Hart. The rest of this could go to the toilet, because it's very much of its time, and X-Pac um... has gone on record for apologising <laughs> for portraying, well, for, for him being in blackface, taking the mick out of Mark Henry. Yeah. yeah. You know, as any reasonable person should. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, the nation of domination. Ah, the nation of domination. There was only one way this was going to go, and it was going to go really racist. Yep. I don't think there's a way you could ever conceive this promo and be, like, justifiably say it to yourself, it's definitely ain't racist. I mean, I mean, if there's one thing... I think one every th single facet of this existing is racist, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And, and, like, and just to, like, and just to, like, again, a bit more, um, a bit more social context, 90s was also the, was the era of, you know, the LA riots and yep. gangster, and the, the height of gangster rap. Mwah. Mwah. But... So, yeah, there was only one way this is going to go in wrestling. Dear God in heaven. <laughs> wrestling, your number one source for tactful oh, oh, handling oh, social oh, issues. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I, almost, I almost forgot the O.J. Simpson trial. There was only one way this was going to go. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know what? Funny enough, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because WWE did find a way to capitalize on that. But that is for another time. Oh God! I, don't well, I will. I will talk to you about that later. And if you ever want to know, <laughs> if you ever want an episode about what, that about WrestleMania 13, we will talk about that. But, but, but let us. The guess. funny thing is, I was just going to make a reference to them for much, much later um, segment of Midgets. Was it Midgets Court? 
Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. We'll get to, oh boy, we will get to <laughs> that. We, and oh. we apologise for having to use that term, but yeah. I believe that's what they called it in the segment. No, they called it Little People's Court because Little they were People's Court, parodying sorry. the People's Court. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, um, let us get to 99, uh, where the dissension in the ranks was starting to happen. As a matter of fact, this was the time where Triple H turned heel on DX and went to the corporation, uh, along with China. And so, DX was sort of a thing, sort not of a thing, in a sense. Um, Am I able to do a cutaway segment now? Yes, indeed. (laughs) Can we talk about China for a moment? Yeah, that's a... Very good point. Because I think a lot of people forget about China as a member of DX. Mm. Yeah, and just how... And the problem with that is that China was really bloody good. Yeah, (laughs) China, the silent but deadly in force. I mean, I know they were, like, having, uh, like, Rick Rude there as, like, insurance policy, but you could tell he was trying to be an enforcer character that looked genuine when it was... When even then you could think, "Mm, they didn't really need one when they had China. Yeah, it's so, like, due to reasons, which I think we'll, we'll probably, uh, like, touch on a bit later, but, like, it is, it was, like, it's, like, now that it's established in history that China was a founding member of DX. Yeah. From the beginning. Yeah. And I, I think the, the thing about it is, I mean, notwithstanding all of China's involvement in being a woman doing ma- doing matches with men. Mm. There was something always kind of interesting about the dynamic of the fact of Triple H's enforcer was a woman. Yeah. And I mean, I was all for it. I, I love it. I think yeah. China's amazing. And I think the way that she's been treated in the past years is absolutely awful. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting in terms of historical hindsight that China yeah. was triple, because it's like Triple H, the game, the king of kings, needing an enforcer. Triple H hiding behind other people. Oh, I know. But, but How many still... times can I run that gag into the ground? <laughs> About several more times in this podcast. Honest, honest. <laughs> Frankly, Dan, just keep emphasising the point. I don't, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I always found it really weird about how people really forget about what China was doing and how integral she was to it. Especially because, I mean, I don't particularly remember her doing many promos or anything, mm. but just her presence there was, I feel, yeah. really beneficial to the entire makeup of DX as a concept. And oh yeah. We let's let's we not forget the fact that there was a time in '98 actually where they were actually going to have China win the WWF Championship. Uh, they should have pulled the trigger. They should have pulled the trigger. Vince Russo yeah. was very very much of the of the ilk of of let us let let's put the title on her, but they didn't go for it, and thus they decided to go for the Intercontinental Championship, which of course had yeah. a good housekeeping match against Jeff Jarrett, which we've already mentioned in the history of TNA. <laughs> we uh, did. Yes, we have. <laughs> but no, look, I think it can't be understated. The biggest just... steal in wrestling history. <laughs> exactly. It can't be understated just how much uh, of an impact that China had. Um, yeah. Look, taking aside everything that had happened later in life, and uh, and China's unfortunate passing, which was way too soon, way mm, too absolutely. soon. Absolutely. 
she is an important part of the history of DX. And indeed, if you, if I dare say the history of Triple H. Yeah, oh, I think I think she's an important part in the history of WWE. Yeah, yeah, in, like it's a real, it's a real like, like fork of the road if they put the title on her. Indeed, like imagine that that would have set a serious precedent. I think I don't know if you want to do this as a cut here, but I can't wait for someone on Twitter to call me a simp for liking China. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm not cutting it. Because I dare, to, I dare for anyone to say it. <laughs> At us, sweet day. Someone's going to call me that when they're actually when they're actually looking at the wrong person, the wrong incredibly strong female wrestler character right now. Mm-hmm. Indeed, you know. <laughs> so yeah, as as I was saying uh, before the aside, 1999 dissension was in the ranks. Triple H had turned heel, going over to the corporation with China. Uh, a lot of infighting between X-Pac and Road Dog, uh, and then that at that time, X-Pac went on to form a tag team with Kane. If you remember that, yes, uh, which I was a very tag interesting. Team. I don't remember that in the slightest, and I can see it in my mind's eye and get it out of my mind's eye. <laughs> well, no, good. you will enjoy Kane and X-Pac. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that, really, because it gets to the time that I remember most. I guess most fondly. And that is the McMahon-Helmsley regime of, of 99 and 2000. Kind of in the sense of the biggest storyline that was going on. So the group had reformed when H... H I'm still saying H. Uh, when Hunter, I should say, <laughs> and X-Pac helped out the New Age Outlaws uh, and defeating Stone Cold and The Rock. Um, after X-Pac had turned on Kane following a match against the Dudleys, the DX DX were reformed and were being hunted down by Austin. Uh, funnily enough, when Austin said he was hunting DX down, uh, he wasn't wrong because he caught Road Dog in a bear trap, caught Billy Gunn in a snare <laughs> trap, and having a portion of the ceiling fall on X Pack, and then finally crack catching the entire group in one in a net. I love I love the I know I am literally hunting DX. Literally. Now, the only reason I don't bring up Commissioner Shawn Michaels in all of this, and there was a part with Shawn Michaels in this, is because Shawn was really suffering from his uh, substance abuse problems. Um, especially since he was very much... If you look in promos of 99, it's horrible watching a very... A, a very... Um, a very inebriated man slurring his words through promos. It's not a nice mm. sight to see. Uh, no, especially not at Shawn all. Michaels as well. And yeah, I don't know who, who was thinking what, uh, what Vince was thinking of bringing him back so soon because it, it was just too soon. And you could tell it was too soon. Um, What's that wellness policy? <laughs> never heard that one before. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no. Um, it was at this time as well. The only reason China wasn't involved in this is that she was in the feud with Chris Jericho over the Intercontinental Championship. If you remember at that time as well, uh, when China yep. and Jericho both pinned each other and became co-holders of the Intercontinental Championship. Great storyline concept. <laughs> love it. Love it to pieces. Um, we loved Chris Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> it was also at this time that Triple H had married Stephanie McMahon. 
it, Are it, we it, take a moment to just talk briefly about that storyline? Yes, let's talk about uh, the love because we. Love I feel like it needs more it. people needs to talk. More people need to talk about this. So yeah, uh, Stephanie McMahon was in a on-screen relationship with Test at the time, who, funnily enough, was supposed to be a member of DX, but no one in DX liked Test, which is a crime because we all know how good of a big hoss wrestler Test is. We all love Test. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, they were due to get married on Raw in the most romantic of places in the middle of the ring. All the McMahons are there and when the uh, the, uh, uh, (laughs) the vicar says... uh, if anyone here objects to this wedding, speak now forever. Hold your peace. Triple H comes out in his big leather jacket with the with the flat cap back with the leather flat cap backwards, of course, because that was oh so Oh my 90. god, yes. Dear, oh um, fuck me. <laughs> Triple H shows uh, some home a home video of him in a convertible in a Vegas drive-in chapel with an inebriated Stephanie McMahon, and they got ordained. <laughs> Like we just need to, we just need to talk about this for a moment. <laughs> yeah, because like, in the context of storylines, and I mean, wrestling's had a lot of wedding storylines. They've mostly been awful. But this <laughs> one, how this one has stood the test of time, I will never know. How this one got, I want to know, who was looking at that and goes, you know what? I don't see anything wrong with that at all. <laughs> it, to be no, actually, I can't believe I have to do this again. Like historical context, that actually disturbingly, disgustingly tracks. Yeah. Because remember, okay, I can't. It's weird that I keep having to go back to OJ Simpson with all of this. Oh God. Oh God. I know it's weird. I know it's weird. I like. Please, um, Twitter, correct me if I'm wrong. This time, and I hate to bring this. I hate to bring the podcast down a little i do not believe that you could be um i do not think that marital rape counts as a crime yet in the 90s yeah Ooh. i uh, yeah i know right Ooh. so all right honestly, but how about purposefully getting someone inebriated and then marrying them in vegas is there anything against that in american law just i've only been looking at employment in the, more recently in the, in the, in the 90s? u.s tax code 1099 contractor <laughs> I should have. I, I'm kind of disturbed that I. Maybe I should have brought up my um 90s marital law in America. To Sorry, find yeah. Out now I have to look this. at 90s marital law. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. So this is not okay. Yeah, and it's, it's weird it's as hell. Just it's basically just a case of because obviously we. I knew we were going to be talking about this, and then I just something twigged in my brain. And I was like, I remember there was something weird to do with like Triple H and Stephanie McMahon in this, and then I just remember going back and looking at it, and I was like, now something here just don't look right. No, <laughs> so- <laughs> and the worst thing is like, what, like, were they actually together by this point? Like, out of out of wrestling? No, no, oh, I have it was no actually idea. Because of this storyline that they started becoming a little bit more. Uh, romantically involved with one another because I mean, Triple H what? was still dating China. Oh yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? I can you imagine like Triple H talking to his daughters about the meet cute of this Mister and Mrs. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> 
this is this is the this is how I got this is how me and mommy met and got together. All right, so basic, so basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But yeah, uh, that would start a rivalry between him and Vince McMahon, which would ultimately see Stephanie turn on Vince and join DX. And so, goodness, this Hill DX man, the McMahon Helmsley regime, along with Shane as well, uh, would then have feuds with Austin, Rock, mm-hmm. uh, Mankind, Jericho, Kane. If you remember at this time as well, Triple H was WWF champion. And would they would all arrive on the DX Express tour bus, if you remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to bring this little bit. They missed a shot there. there, not calling it the D Express. Ex- ex- exactly. Exactly. Oh, no. It was at this time. I'm sorry to ruin it, but. Right, two oh, things shit. I definitely want to bring up at this time. It was at this time that Run DMC did their version of the DXV. Which is great. Uh, it was also at this time in January 2000 that Triple H had one hell of probably the greatest hardcore match against Cactus Jack. Yeah. Also based also based and oh oh man i could talk about that one forever uh but uh we are we, we need to get through to the next part of dx soonish so it was at wrestlemania 2000 of course that four-way match for the wwf championship with a mcmahon in every corner uh which saw vince oh, mcmahon it. who was going up against dx after returning turn on the rock and aiding triple h in retaining his title and now this was the full McMahon Helmsley regime that was taking place. Of course, an amazing, if you ask me, um, moment in this was, of course, uh, Austin returning uh, and destroying the DX Express the week yes. before Backlash 2000, where The Rock would win the WWF Championship from Triple H. Um, oh, that moment's so good. Shortly mm. after this, uh, the kind of the group kind of fizzled out. Triple H um, ended up going out on his own. Uh, DX and Road Dog became uh, kind of frustrated as the success as a tag team after they had uh, ousted Billy Gunn. Um, and Triple H was kind of suddenly became a solo star. It was only at the end of the year that they kind of reunited, uh, taking on the Radicals, which, by the way, great great uh great great faction uh of, yeah. of wrestling before, before, before we before we move on into later versus we have to talk about this really quickly we have to talk about x park heat we have to wow oh, you mean all... i get to talk about x park <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm glad you brought it up because that was pretty much the end of this time uh and i guess the one thing we do have to bring up is x park heat what is x park heat X-Park Heat. You got a good one, listener, for the Pokedex. So, you would have noticed that here at Sweet Chinwag Podcast, we've talked about the concept of heat. The concept of heat is very simple. It's how much the crowd... What the, it's how much the crowd hates a heel, basically. And it's always fun, you're right? They're like pantomime villains... And there's like, there's levels. There's heat, which is when like, yeah, the crowd hates you. There's nuclear heat or Canadian heat, as I like to call it, where (laughs) you are are basically- You are like, they legitimately hate you. They legitimately (laughs) hate you. And, but that can also be fun. That's- that's Oh yeah, yeah, with the right people, it can, it can be really, it can be like a really good thing. 
Oh, yeah. But there is another level, which is X-Park Heat. Which there's a couple other names for it uh, now, recently. Yeah, but, yeah, but the, the uh, traditional term is X-Park Heat, which yeah. is we legit we don't hate the character we hate you we don't like you as a wrestler and unfortunately x Park got that reputation because and uh please correct me if i'm wrong sam the historian during once dx broke up around this time x Park continued going for it continued the dx the dx gimmick so if you remember, cross shopping, all of that. If you remember vividly as well, that X Puck would do that thing where you would do a martial arts kick or like a spin kick, and you suddenly audibly hear him go, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like, especially they're, when they're... he had his own faction as well with Albert and Just Incredible called X Factor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people call it uh, go away heat as well. Yeah. Mm. And it's kind of the. Co- uh, there's. There's a there's an image that gets put around all the time. It's from like a sign. It's like, uh, I feel compelled to let you know that we are not booing you because you're being a good heel, but simply because we just don't like you anyway. Yeah. That's pretty much the summary of X Pac Heat. It's more recently been referred to by some people as Jinder Mahal Heat. Mm. Um, after Jinder Mahal's reign with the WWE Championship. Um, yes. but yeah, it's just like you don't. It's not that you don't like the character, it's just you don't like them anyway. Yeah, you don't like the performer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In... yeah. Lots of people get go-away heat when people are like, uh, I'm, I'm air-quoting here, over-pushed. Mm. Yeah. Or when people are just there all the time and they're not really doing anything interesting. Yeah, true. Very, very true. And a nice little stamp into this time of DX. Um... Because it was very much a, a product of its time, and indeed, X Puck was indeed a product of Degeneration X and of its time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Although people still love to see the Bronco Buster, so you know, go figure. <laughs> now, I mean, Bronco Buster's great. Bronco Buster is awesome. Uh, unfortunately, we won't talk about the poor accident that uh, that Sean Moore yeah, had that we'll, one time we'll when he performed that. the Bronco Buster. <laughs> but no, um, I. We will fast forward here, and I would have brought up the time of 2002 um, and that infamous moment uh, between Michaels and and Hunter when they kind of reformed it. But we've already brought that up in the two-parter of Triple H and the Reign of Terror, which you should go back and listen to. Uh, yeah. So I will... Skim- That's a great episode. Listen to it. It is a great episode. But I will, So I will skim 2002, as we've already brought it up, and go back to 2006 and the hints and slight series of events that occurred hinting at a DX reunion. Now, if you remember WrestleMania 22 in particular, both Michaels and Triple H performed crop chops, uh, crotch chops, I should say, during their matches, uh, with Michaels um, going up against Mr. McMahon in a no-holds-bar match, and <laughs> Triple H going up against John Cena for the WWF, uh, WWE Championship. Sorry. Yeah, both were met we're, with rupturous we're in applause. The, we're in the E era now. We're in yes. the era of the E. Both, as said, were met with rupturous applause from the Chicago crowd. Um, and in the subsequent episodes of Raw, Michael's feuding with Vince and Shane and Triple H still focused on the WWE Championship. Both were 
repeating crotch chops. And it all came to my head in June, where during a gauntlet match uh, with Triple H versus The Spirit Squad, Shawn Michaels came out to help his former friend. And after both of them had laid out the entire Spirit Squad, both of them performed crotch chops. And then, kind of, there we go. The seeds were sowed and DX is back. Next week, they came out to the DX theme song and started crotch chopping and doing all that non all doing all the spiel that they had done before dx is back now as a tag team of course we talk about this time as well because it's weird seeing grown-ass men being so childish especially with the whole Vince loves <laughs> cox thing oh yeah okay product <laughs> of its time is, 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 yeah, is this is this the time where we actually talk about what we feel like what we actually feel about um DX because you notice that we didn't actually we normally give our general impressions of DX and then get into it. Yeah, but this, this time is the we time just, we talk like, about it for sure. Yeah. So who wants to go first on this? I'll take it. Yeah, go, go ahead. Then. What do you think? What's my general impression of DX? Amazing at the time, but like should stay at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, agree. You know. They're, 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 I mean, they're great. They, they, they fulfill a purpose. They've kind of gotten completely misconstrued now, and I don't think it would ever be possible for Triple H to look at that and be like, I could do that again. <laughs> With any sense of <laughs> complete irony taking over his entire body um, and ascending to the like, 19th plane of existence. Yeah. But, I mean, I always thought they were great. I mean, I think one of my first wrestling shirts I ever bought was a DX shirt. Mm. Well, I mean, that was when I was that was when I was like pretty young, and <laughs> I think it was sometime around or before SummerSlam two thousand and two thousand six. Mm. It was it was it was one of the SummerSlams. I remember they had a fucking stupid ass entrance that lasted like twelve minutes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I always kind of I always really liked them, and I felt like they just kind of fit wrestling really well mm. you know there's no other there's no other space that dx could ever exist in oh yeah. no because they'd be arrested yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i think uh and i think some of the the, the humor uh that they were doing in this return the re- reformation was very cringe uh, that's the, the only word I oh could it's, say it's complete it. it's completely cringe but you, what you can tell they're going for is they're like Haha, people definitely laughed at this before, so we're going to do it again. Except we're now grown-ass adults, and now we're going to... Yeah, except you're now fully grown men, and we now have full context of Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. DX is such a complicated... I have such complicated feelings towards DX. As a... Like, this time was, like, really my time with DX, more than Mm. any other. I have... And at the time, I adored DX. I fucking adored them. Every time. There's no shame in saying it. (laughs) No, I say that. I say that to be completely honest. I'm not going to front and say, like, oh, they were cool. No, no, no. I was a hardcore DX fan. Loved them, loved them, loved them, loved them. And I find as I've gotten older, I have more complicated feelings of it. For one thing, yeah, it the humour, that is one part of it. 
But, you know, I kind of like, there are things that I watch now that I'm like, yeah, this is really cheesy and kind of ridiculous, but I still love it. Not like, for instance, like, um, like, um, don't, don't hurt me, Trent Reznor, but like, I, even Trent Reznor, I think would admit with some of his like stuff and his lyrics, it could be very whiny Nine Inch Nails and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like, as someone who loves Nine Inch Nails, like loves them, sometimes I listen to the lyrics and I'm kind of like, ah, that's so... That's so overwrought, but it's so great. I have that same feeling with a lot of the humor of DX. It's so ridiculous yeah. and oh, completely childish and and like stupid masculinity that I'm kind of like, but I I dig it. I still kind of dig it, and I wouldn't lie. I think my biggest problem is knowing who these guys are. For because it's like it's that compen- it's that problem of um. It's that problem of these guys are pretending to be the anti-establishment, and yet we have the boss's son-in-law. Yeah, we we. That's the thing with the return of DX. It's like they say that they're anti-establishment, but then I'm like, why are you just in a group called the corporation? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like you that, are the establishment yeah, now. It's one of those really annoying disconnects those dissonance of watching this that i find it kind of hard to enjoy sometimes because i look at it and i'm like only it it became less oh wow i can't believe they got away with that and more only you could actually be allowed to do that and and that's not fair yeah it feels like yeah and the amount of space when the hell that is they fairness contain. ever mattered in wrestling? <laughs> yeah, I know, but I feel ah. like with DX, it's one of those ones where it really puts paid to the fact that, like, like you guys know that I hate their, like, I hate their Hall of Fame speech. I love, like, they should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame, but it's one of the most unbearable things for me. Just these guys, yeah, with all the privileges in the world, taking up all the air. Yeah, and it just bugged the living shit out of me, <laughs> and I feel that's uh, something that I can never fully get away. I can never fully compartmentalize, despite enjoying a good portion of DX and a good portion of this time, because this is a time where these guys are actual like wrestling veterans. They know their shit. Michaels had came came back found Christ and became the greatest, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah. We're in this era, so they're never not entertaining, and they never half ass anything, at least not to my recollection. But Not really. Yeah, I mean, think of the matches they were having at this time. They had a great rivalry with Rated RKO. Yeah. Um, they were ha- I mean, you know, the matches with the Spirit Squad were something but they were also having i mean let's be honest even though this time was very cringy we still remember things like uh stan um oh that's that's legitimately legitimately i don't that's my legitimate favorite absolute favorite backstage promo to ever exist exactly it's been great i beg you to put it on the twitter for all to see yes i'll do it it is uh, I, I just think about that. Stan. I think about that promo more than any other. I think. I think I. I'm pretty sure I think about Stan in that in that segment more than most people I know. Yes. <laughs> yes. I wonder what he's no. doing with his life now, Stan. Somehow I think he's doing really well. 
But uh, no, you know what? I, I can't really say any more than what you guys have already said because it's exactly how I, I feel uh, about mm. about DX. It's like they were the best thing for their time. <laughs> and when they came back and certainly like when they do make occasional things here and there, uh, you start to realise that yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked you when you were back in the day, but nowadays it's just... Mm. Mm. Especially when you've got, like... Uh, especially during that Hall of Fame speech, for certain. <laughs> especially during that Hall of Fame speech. But, uh, no, I mean, what else can be said about this time for them? They had, uh, as I said, they had a great rivalry with Rated RKO. Unfortunately, Triple H did um, tear his uh, his ACL again. Oh, in his other knee, I should say, during this time. And that's Shawn Michaels had that um, really good match against John Cena at WrestleMania 23. Hell yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And it was kind of... And then after that, it was just kind of like sporadic here, there, and everywhere. Um, and then we talk about them um, recruiting Hornswoggle uh, uh, as a new member of the DX, of DX, or as they called him, the DX Midget. Um and this yeah, was after Hornswoggle. Of their time. This this was when Hornswoggle sued them for emotional and physical distress, and this is when they ended up being in Little People's Court, as they called it, which was underneath the ring. If you remember for, when they for, ran for, away. For, con- for context for anyone that doesn't know this, because I oh, mean God, maybe you missed this. I'm yeah. gonna give them context. Hornswoggle was previously now you're gonna may have to correct me on this. He was previously the companion of Finley. Yes. He was known as the little he bastard. To, <laughs> he used to come it. from underneath the ring uh, and give Finley a shillelagh, which is an Irish thing. I think it's used to beat a drum, but um, give him that so he could win matches. Uh, and basically, it just kind of became wrestling canon that Hornswoggle lived under the ring. <laughs> yeah. And that the underneath the underneath of the ring was like an infinite space because as you remember, various people have either been put through the ring or come out from underneath the ring, as in going through the fucking canvas. Yes. That is true. Yeah. So like it just became canon at this time that Hornswoggle and a bunch of other little people lived under the ring. <laughs> <sighs> Wrestling, wrestling, is weird. <laughs> wrestling, yeah. wrestling is really, really, really. I can't believe that's a fact that we actually have to know for this damn job. <laughs> oh my goodness! And yeah, after a couple of like uh, appearances here and there, kind of like a bit of nostalgia pops. Like remember that time Mike Tyson came back as special guest general manager and uh, uh, reunited with DX. Um, we had a couple of like uh, matches here and there for the tag titles because they did end up winning the tag titles at one point as well. Shortly yeah. after that, in two thousand nine, it kind of fizzled out, and then they ended up kind of like going their separate ways. And it wasn't until two thousand eighteen um, that they kind of reunited in a sense, in a non wrestling capacity. And then, of course, when Super Showdown happened. Uh, they fully reunited again. And it was shortly after that that they would end up appearing on the 1000th episode of Raw, 
They'd be in the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. They would do the Raw 25th anniversary, which we I do not forgive them for burying the revival for. Oh, Never but, forgive but, them for but that. Sa- but Sam, you forgot about their greatest moment where they won, where they won the Monday Night Raw Wars again when they faced when they beat up um, God Sting. I hate that match. I oh, hate that match did, I didn't so want to bring it up. That's why I didn't want to bring it up. At, Wrestle, at WrestleMania, remember that? Oh, I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> you know there's the phrase chip on your shoulder? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Can you have a boulder on your shoulder? Yes. Yes. At that moment. Yes. Yes. I mean, what do we... Uh, and thus, I guess, Ed's DX. I mean, we could talk about the independence appearances that they had when Road Dog, Billy Gunn and X-Pac were in the indies. If you remember a time, Gunn and X-Pac were in Chikara during the uh the king of the trios and they entered some for some for some reason thinking about x park and road dog in chikara i'm like that just fits perfectly pretty much i I disagree my brain is melting by that fact (laughs) absolutely (laughs) melting and of course you know being inducted into the hall of fame last year actually was that am i correct in saying that Mm, or was it the year before it might have been the year before Oh, I'm not sure. I Time think it might have been me. 2019, only because Billy Gunn had just been signed to AEW and they were ribbing him for that. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, then you are correct. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up everything in a nice green neon glow stick bow. Yeah, <laughs> of pretty much everything. With that fire, a... with green X fireworks going off behind them. That was it, an it, interesting episode it, for sure. Oh man! You know what? I think the fact that we're all a mess kind of helps this episode. Maybe I, I, I look right. I don't. I don't think there's any way to talk sense when talking about DX. That is very true. That is very true. That is very true. Okay, <laughs> let's wrap this one up then. So for next, the next episode, Dan, what are we? What are we looking at for the next episode? Mm. Next episode is it's a special one, I think. It's one that we've all been looking forward to. It's uh, actually, again, the first in a new kind of series, if you will, as we do our first title retrospective. And our first title is the Intercontinental title. Nice. Nice. Oh, man, that one is going to be so... I see, I see, I see. So fun to research. We we are IC gang on this podcast. Indeed, IC title are. is incredible. It's so it's nicest looking belt in all of wrestling. Every incarnation. Pat, Pat, Every a fraud, million. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there was no tournament in Rio. <laughs> we will we'll get to it then. We'll, we'll get, get to, it. to that part. Keep, keep it keep but, it keep it on your hat, man. Keep it to the next episode, sir. But until that next episode. I've been Sam, this has been Dan and Reardon, and you've been listening to The Sweet Chinwag. We will see you on the next one. Break it down! Break it down! (laughs)